We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. And the, the trio is back this time, Mike Wendland here with Tyler Grzegorek and Chris Schimmel. And guys, it's a big game for the Packers. They got the, they got, they're in the, they're in New York taking on the Giants. And I guess for you guys, how are you guys doing and how important is this game for Green Bay? Yeah, it's vitally important. Uh, we'll get into it in a little bit here, but this certainly is a must-win game for the Packers. And if, Oh God! If if they do not win this game on Sunday, I I don't even want to jump on Twitter because I can only imagine the the amount of panic that will be um, that will be out there. So um, it's a must win game for many reasons. Um, can't wait to talk about it. Actually, and Chris, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. But uh, yeah, I think every single game the rest of the year. Is, is a must-win game, especially being now tied with the Vikings. So if if these are two games in the next two weeks with the Giants and the Redskins that are the basically the easiest games on the rest of the schedule. So if they can't pull this one off, then yes, it is extreme panic mode. But I, I do think that they can pull off and win this game. Yeah, there, there's no doubt that they can. I, I think this game is going to be definitely a statement. I feel kind of feel bad for the Giants because I think we have an angry Green Bay team after not making the trip to California last week, and so I think they're going to take it out on the East Coast this time. And 
and hopefully get some better luck there. And they'll they could, there's a good chance they could absolutely decimate Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants. But before that, a couple of small things. Again, don't forget to like and subscribe to wherever you can find this podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We are there. Give us a like and give us a comment as well on what you guys think. And also very quickly uh, from from the Packer Day podcast and from Packer Nation, uh, our sincere condolences to Mason Crosby. Uh, the Packers kicker lost his sister yesterday after a long battle with cancer at the age of, I think, 30 and I know uh, it was kind of got revealed late in training camp, and and it became a story. But uh, as hard as it is for Mason, uh, just want to let him know that we're all there for him, and we we will support him no matter what, and, and we wish the best for him and his family. Yeah, it, it, I can't even begin to um, empathize with with Mason Crosby and what he's going through and what he's going to be dealing with on that field on Sunday. Um, just it's a hard time and. Yeah, so our condolences from uh, from all of us here. Absolutely, and then and then moving back toward on the field, I'm sure it's been talked about in the past, but Jared Valdir now officially a member of the Green Bay Packers. They announced the press release on Friday that he has been added to the reserve list. He has been claimed on waivers. He is still not on the active roster yet. I'm sure that's just to make sure he gets the physical pass and gets in shape and is ready to go. But just for the three of us. What do you guys think of that move? And do you think beyond this, even this year, that can make an impact even next year to maybe be a replacement if they can't resign Brian Balaga? I, I don't think that it's has any long-term value to me. This is just, uh, hey, we're competing this year. Uh, we need an insurance policy in case, in case not only Balaga, but only Bakhtiari goes down because apparently Alex Light is not the solution. And... Um, I just don't think it's more than let's just let's just play it safe and bring in a veteran guy, which is which is refreshing in itself because that's not something that the pass regime did. They wanted to thrust those young guys into those big moments and those big roles, and it, most of the time it did not end well. So um, I like the thought process behind the move, and um, I'm excited to see if it pays off. And Chris, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Jared Feldier? Oh, he hit the nail on the head. You know, I really didn't think this was going to be a long-term thing. This was, a, you know, bringing him in as a security blanket because I don't think they're going to be bringing back Bulaga, but I think that they're going to go either into free agency next year or in the draft to get a new right tackle. But I, I did like that they actually went out and got somebody. You know, I think go back five years ago, I don't think the Packers would have got anybody. I feel like they would have stuck with Alex Light and get him some experience, but he obviously isn't the answer. So overall, right now, I think, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see how quickly he can actually come in and uh, add some value to the team. So hopefully it'll be soon. And one thing that'll definitely help with Valdir is that he did line up next to Billy Turner out in Denver. So you know there's that there's going to be that familiarity there if, he, if Valdir would have to come in and play right tackle. So that's, that's definitely a big plus as well. It also allows Turner to stay at guard instead of having to kick out and completely reshuffle the communication among the line with Lucas Patrick coming in at guard. So, yeah, I think I agree with all you guys. I think it's a smart move. I think it's a, it's a move that's that definitely shows the forward thinking of Brian Gutekunst compared to what we saw under Mike Sherman and Ted Thompson. I think it's, I think it's a very good breath of fresh air. But Valdir's not going to be active this week. He's not going to be playing. He's not going to be on the active roster at all. Uh, Yost Nijman is on the roster. He may even get some time this week, at least on special teams. But it's time to look forward to the New York Giants with this game. 
both teams on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as far as record goes, as far as talent goes, and as far as injuries injuries go. Taking a look at the final injury report for the Packers, the only three guys questionable, and there's a good chance that all three could see the field, and Brian Bulaga is questionable with his knee injury, the heel injury, and Will Redmond with a foot injury are all questionable. For the Giants, they have five key members out of their lineup. Zach Dossi, their long snappers, out with the knee and wrist injuries. Brett Ellison, the backup tight end, is out with a concussion. Evan Ingram, the starting tight end, is out with a foot. Jabril Peppers out with a back injury, and Golden Tate out with a concussion. All five of those guys play a pretty big role in that Giants team. How big are those injuries going to be for for Sunday? I think it's going to be huge because with their with Evan Ingram and Golden Tate being out, their two starting tight ends out, the Packers don't need to worry about getting gashed uh, along the middle of the field going into this game. And then the only real uh, problem I'd see is going up against the running attack of the Giants because right now with so many of their weapons being out of the passing game. I feel like they're going to be relying a lot more on Saquon Barkley to go against the Packers defense. But overall, I feel like these these injuries are killer for the Giants. It seems like they always have had a, someone out with a concussion this year. So I feel like this is like the perfect, almost like perfect opportunity for the Packers to get back on their feet by going up against this depleted Giants team. Yeah, you know, the tight end position uh, as of late has been something that the Packers have kind of struggled to contain. and uh, So Evan Ingram being out is a big deal. Uh, Golden Tate has been a Packer killer, so him being out is awesome. I'm glad that the, the team's not going to see him this time around. Um, just whenever you have key injuries like the Giants do, um, Jabril Peppers too on defense, whenever you have those kinds of guys out, um, it's going to be so hard to overcome because that's those three guys specifically are part of your core. Um and then you want, then you want to talk about Zach Daossi, uh, the long snapper. That's just an oddball injury, and that's something that could rear its ugly head in a game because it's such an oddball position um, and an oddball specialty <laughs> that you're asking somebody to do this job now that doesn't normally do it. It's normally a very specialized job, and so we'll see how the Giants respond there with with their long snapper being out. Maybe maybe there's a bad snap or two. Um, but, you know, just, just a lot of weird key injuries. I, I don't even quite know who the tight end is going to be, considering uh, Ellison, the backup, is hurt as well. So I'd have to look that up and see who the starting tight end is now in New York. But um, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be it's going to be hard for the Giants to overcome those injuries, in my opinion. Definitely. And when you compare those injuries with the relative clean health of the Packers outside of Brian Bulaga, Red, Will Redmond, and Tony Brown. I think that's definitely going to be a massive advantage for Green Bay, of course. And another thing that's going to be big is also without a lot of those weapons, that could allow the Packers' defense to be a little more simplified. They're not going to have to try and disguise things. They're not going to need to play that soft zone to to keep things in front because really it's just going to be Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley as the only weapons for the Giants. And with Daniel Jones still being a rookie, still having his moments of having turnover issues, this could be a day where the Smiths, Fackrell, Gary, uh, Blake Martinez on a blitz could really make some serious noise in the backfield. Yeah, you know, Daniel Jones, I think he has 13 fumbles this year and he's lost nine. And then add in that, you know, their left tackle, Nate Solder, I think a couple of years ago they made him the highest paid left tackle in the league. He's given up 40 pressures and nine sacks in 11 games. So I feel like the Packers can really put pressure on them, which will make them rely even more on Barkley in the running game. Yeah, the 
Saquon Barkley is a dynamic player, a dynamic talent, and he's been bottled up as of late, and that, that to me is the most surprising part of this Giants offense, and I think it really goes to speak how poorly this offensive line has played. That is true, but... But I'm just like, that's why I'm so worried. Like, he's been, I mean, he's been averaging less than 45 yards per game and only like 2.77 yards per carry since returning from that injury. But I'm just afraid, you know, going, the Packers are allowing 4.8 yards per carry. So I feel like this is the time where they're actually going to break loose and get them going. And I just hope that doesn't happen against the Packers. I definitely understand what, you, what you're getting at. The big, the, I think the big thing... It's been it's been weird for a lot of these top running backs who have all been down. I mean, Zeke Elliott's had a rough year in Dallas. Barkley's been inconsistent at times with the with a rebuilding Giants team. It's it's one of those things where it it's mean it may not be their year. And yeah, Barkley get going, but the more you force him, the more the Packers will key on him. And I think I think that's going to be big for guys like Kenny Clark and the Smiths who are who are better than people realize at holding the edge, especially Preston Smith. To the point where I think Barkley, as the key focal point, could still be held down. At least if he gets his yard, it's going to take him a lot of touches to do it. And it's one of those things where, as long as they they just, as long as you don't lose him by himself in coverage or lose him outside by himself, I don't think he's going to he's going to be that productive. I think it's going to be more of they're going to they're going to focus on bottling him up and make Daniel Jones beat them. Yeah, exactly. But uh, do you guys think because uh, they might be trying to get Barkley going, get the running game going, that Packers are going to be seeing a lot more Oren Burks? No, it'll be more like B.J. Goodson will get more time. Yeah, I completely agree. So then turning it over toward the Packers offense, we can all agree that we will never talk about last Sunday night again because uh, the <laughs> offense wasn't there either. But this this is a, there's a lot of talk about the receiver position, and, and rightfully so, it hasn't been productive. And the offense seems to have gone backwards since Devontae Adams came back. The balance isn't there anymore. Aaron Jones isn't being targeted in the run game. The tight ends aren't being targeted anymore. How do you think Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers correct this? Do you think they design more plays for Aaron Jones? Do you think they get Devontae Adams on the field a little bit less? Maybe don't give him on the field every snap and have him get a few plays off to get other guys cycled in. What do you guys think is going to be done to try and fix what's going on with the offense? You know, this this definitely is a get right game for this offense, and they need to they need to get back to running the football. They need to get back to targeting Aaron Jones. And I think it was I think it was actually Andy uh, Andy Herman who brought up that um, it might have been somebody else. I saw it on Twitter recently that you know Jones has been getting more attention from uh, defensive coordinators and more attention um, in terms of being covered in the pass game. And so maybe that's why we're not seeing as much Aaron Jones, but I, I just feel like they need to fundamentally get back to what they were doing prior to Devontae Adams returning. Because Rodgers, I don't, I don't know why, but Rodgers seems to be, he does seem to be fixated on, on Adams, um, to the point where he's missing other reads. And it, it's slowing down this offense. It's a rhythm offense. It, it, it needs to, it needs to get play after play after play to keep kind of going. Um, you know, the, those negative plays, those zero plays, they're going to set back this offense. And so if they're really going to get back into the swing of things, they've got to get the running game going, getting three, four yards a carry. The, the, that'll open up the play action. You know, Rodgers needs to be a little bit more decisive and a little bit quicker in his reads. Um, if, if, if those two things happen, the running game and, and Rodgers being a little bit more decisive, um, 
i.e. also not trying to get it to Adams every time. Um, if those two things happen, I think that this offense will be fine, and this is definitely the perfect game to try and do it. No Jabril Peppers on an already uh, pretty bad Giants defense. Um, no reason why, no reason at all why the Packers should not be able to get back on track this week. Definitely, and and I think uh, for Chris, when you look at the weather, what it's supposed to be uh, Sunday as well, this could be a big game for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. It's supposed to be cold, rainy, maybe a little bit of snow in New York. It's supposed to be just kind of nasty. This could be really, really good for that running game to get going and to really be focused on because its footing could be tough. It could be tougher to throw. And this could be the game that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams live for. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, the, the, the key is always to get the ball into the hands of your best playmakers. And right now, Aaron Jones has been the best playmaker the Packers have had all season. So finding ways to get him the ball. I know you guys said that other teams are starting to focus on Aaron Jones. Instead of putting a linebacker on him, they're putting DBs on him. But you still need to find ways to get your best players the ball. And, and, and with these weather conditions, I feel like this is, you're going to see more of Jones and Jamal Williams in a huge, uh, just a nice tandem going back at it. But I don't know. I, I just feel like this is just going to be a big ground game slugfest between Aaron Jones and Saquon Barkley. That's just, that's just what I feel. I feel like it's going to be a lot of on the ground that, uh, this week. There's a very good chance. And I think another big thing for, for both of you guys to, to just when you want to talk about it is, the big thing the Packers also need to fix is especially first quarter penalties. Uh, we've talked about pre-snap penalties all year and a lot of those mental penalties. But it seems like every time, especially we saw that in the beginning of the San Francisco game, was it would be a penalty on a first or second down that would derail a drive from the Devontae Adams personal foul to a defensive penalty on Kevin King. Just things like that just really have set the team back. And those things have to get cleaned up if you're going to make a playoff run. You cannot win games committing basically needless penalties that are that are either before or after the snap or very early in a play. There, There's just no way to avoid that, avoid well, losing if that happens. So I guess how do you guys, how if you're Matt Filthor, how are you coaching these guys to make sure that these types of flags stop getting thrown on them early in games? Easy to tell them to stop. <laughs> like it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's almost common sense. Just do what you're told. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It, it, to me, that's why being coach, being a coach would be so incredibly frustrating at the NFL level. Well, it, it's also, you know, half the game is mental. Like, it's, it's, you, you need to come into the game prepared. You need to come in to the game and be in the game ready to play at all times. And, you know, a lot of the penalties that they've been getting, you know, the false starts, the, the delay of games, the, those types of things are preventable. You know, the, the the penalties that are that are all mental, those are the ones that need to be avoided. You know, the pass interferences, unless it's absolutely egregious, whatever. Um, you know, late hits, unless it's absolutely egregious, whatever. Like, it's going to happen. Those types of things are going to happen. But the false starts, the offsides, the, you know, the delay of games, those can't happen. And so... Um, they just need to get those cleaned up because good football teams do not make those those types of mistakes, and they they need to get those cleaned up, and that's on the floor. And I think he understands that. And I I was hoping that that kind of stuff would be cleaned up coming out of the bye, and I don't really get the feeling that they were ready to play that game again. Um, so that's twice they've traveled to the West Coast and kind of and kind of dropped an egg. So uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see how they travel how they travel back east and see. <laughs> Um, if the if the same thing happens, 
There, yeah, absolutely. And then when you look at beyond that, af- after the game, the game is at noon central, 1 o'clock Eastern for the Packers and Giants. After that game, there's a there's a decent chance they could start doing some scoreboard watching. The big one, San Francisco and Baltimore, pulls to play at noon. If Baltimore can pull that one out and Green Bay does takes care of business against the Giants, they're right back in that first-round bye competition. They're right back in that home field advantage race with the Saints, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Seahawks and Vikings play on Monday. So there's some games to really pay attention to as far as playoff seeding goes, but it does start with this Giants game. And, and if you're – and again, if you're Coach LaFleur, what, you what are you telling your guys to make sure that they are focused on the game at hand? I, I know it's common sense in a way, but – it's it's just kind of natural to kind of look over at what your competition is doing. So how are you trying to how are you telling your guys in what could be a game that you're supposed to win handily, but just to make sure that they stay focused? I would say the number one way to keep them focused is that now they're tied for the division lead with the Vikings. Now every single game is a must win just to win the division. The Packers have been leading the division every week since week one, and now all of a sudden this late in the year, now it could just slip away with just one loss. So I feel like that is the biggest key to keep them focused, is just the Vikings being right on their heels. Well, and honestly, that's the mark of a good coach. A good coach knows how to motivate his players and just how to get them to do what they need to do. And that's why Bill Belichick has been so successful for so, successful for so many years, is because he just is a... He's a He's probably one of the best motivators in, in in the history of the NFL. Getting guys to play in their role, exceed in their role. He's he's he puts guys in places to succeed as well. And Lafleur is still learning that, obviously. But you know, I, I think as Chris said, there's an easy motivator here, and I, I think that's what Lafleur really needs to latch onto in the, in these final weeks. Is hey guys, you've got a chance to win the division. This game against the Giants. You're way better than them. You need to go out there and win this football game. If you don't win this football game, like we're gonna be we're gonna be in a tough you know a tough spot here. And may, obviously, I'm not a, motiv- a motivational speaker. So, but that, that's that's kind of the sentiment that Lafleur needs to, to present, and uh, he needs to get this team ready to play on Sunday. And there's really no question about it. Um, if if they just come out there and they drop another egg, it's gonna be it's gonna not gonna be good. Fair enough. And then so as we wrap things up today, we'll I'll ask each of you guys, what are you expecting to see from the Packers and Giants game? Chris, I'll go to you first. Um, in terms of offensive side of the ball, I expect them to run the ball more with, with these weather conditions, get Aaron Jones more involved. You know, the Packers are running the ball at their highest rate since 2015, and I feel like they need to keep doing that because right now the strength of their team is their running game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, a good one-two punch. And then another is – when they get into the when they get into the red zone to score, because the Packers right now I think they're they're third in the league in red zone. They're scoring over seventy one percent of their red zone uh, uh, red zone appearances away from Lambeau Field. So I feel like if they can just run the ball, get into the red zone, they're going to score. I, I predict right now Packers win this game like thirty to twenty or thirty to seventeen. Yeah, I, I do think that the Packers come out angry. I do think that the the Packers are going to win this game. Um, I just have a bad feeling in my stomach about it. I think it's going to be closer than we than we think it should be. Um, and uh, I'm just hoping that the offense can get back on track. Really, how, how, how close? How close is close? Because when you uh, you know we're talking about Mason Crosby 
and I was thinking, well, this would be an awesome week for him to kick a game-winning field goal. But then I thought, I hope it's not that close. Do you think it's going to be like that kind of close? I, I don't think it'll be field goal close. I think it'll be touchdown close, though. Um, okay. I, I think that the Packers win by about a score, maybe like one and a half score, so about ten points. Um, I just, I, I just don't have a good feeling about this game in my stomach, and I, I'm looking, I'm looking at this game as a must-win. It is, and I think that they're going to win. I just think it's going to be a sloppy win, and we're going to look at it and be like, oh well, a win's a win. I hope that's not the case, obviously. If the offense gets going, I don't think the Giants have a chance. I just, the offense is still concerning to me, um, considering that we had struggles in the first handful of weeks, got market, uh, markedly better, and now we're kind of regressing again. And that, that alone is kind of, uh, concerning to me. And so, until this offense can really get back on track, I think we know what the defense is. We thought the defense was going to be, um, borderline elite, like very, very good. Um, they're not. They're just above average, which is fine too. You know, that, that's good for a Rodgers led team. But when Rodgers isn't, you know, leading the team in performance, then that's not really the recipe for, for success. So, um, the offense needs to get going. The defense needs to continue to be above average, if not a little bit better, uh, in certain areas. Um, uh, and if those two things happen, then the Packers should roll. But, uh, until then, I'm not too confident. That's fair. I am very confident. I think this is going to be a game where they're going to come out with that edge and they're going to get up early. I think we're going to see the first quarter of that that week two Vikings game that it'll continue. I think they'll hold the Giants down. That offense does not worry me really much at all with without Ingram and without Tate. I think it's going to be thirty four to ten. I think I don't think the Giants are going to be able to score very much. I think the Packers pull out a couple turnovers, and this is going to be as a lot of people have said a get right game. I think it's going to be a game where. When they have the Giants in Washington back to back, these are going to be two games where they can really get themselves back together, get to ten wins, and really figure out where you stand in this race and get ready for that big playoff game, for that big Week 15 game against the Vikings, that was going to be essentially for the division championship. And so I, I think we all agree that the Packers should and probably will win this game. It's just varying degrees, but either way, like you guys have said, this is a must-win game. This is a game that you have to to win to keep pace with not only Minnesota, but also San Francisco and New Orleans and Seattle in that pace for the top seed in what has become a very, very brutally tough NFC playoff picture. But with that saying, we'll say so long for now. So, Chris, where can people find you? What are you working on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Chris Schimmel. And uh, right now, I have nothing uh, Nothing I'm really working on right now. I'm going to find a project uh, sooner or later, but nothing right now. And Tyler? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. Um, I still have my weekly articles coming out for Dynasty Nerds. Uh, if you're looking to uh, start planning for next year for your Dynasty team, um, over the coming weeks I'll be I'll begin targeting players that you should be targeting for the 2020 season. Um, I'm excited to start getting into draft stuff here soon. Uh, at the end of December, I'll usually start getting into draft stuff. Um, the, there's just always content out there, so... Um, just make sure you're uh, checking out the, the Twitter feed. That's where I drop everything. So um, if you ever have any questions, don't be afraid to hit me up. Absolutely. And and you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wentland. I'm still doing some stuff at Dreamland Express. i got to get a couple logistical things figured out there before I get my long-form articles out. And also, if you're in central Wisconsin, listen to for me at WDUX Radio with high school basketball going on as well, as that season is now underway quickly enough. But with that being said, we'll say so long for now. Again, listen every day for the Packaday podcast, and you'll have the game recap tomorrow for us. 
And, of course, follow us wherever uh, podcasts are found, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, at Packaday Podcast on Twitter as well. So for that, we'll say so long, enjoy the Packers-Giants game, stay warm, stay safe, and go Pack Go! class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.